I'm Simon Schofield, and this is the Zwiftcast. Coming up on this episode, the 2x20, it's cycling's most famous interval session we analyse and explain. Being DC Rainmaker, we're at home in Paris with the king of sports tech bloggers, sorry Shane, and big money racing, virtual racing, gets a huge prize purse. Uh, pleased to say that the usual crew is present and correct. Nathan Gary, yo dude. Hey, how's it going, Simon? Pretty good, thank you. And Shane Miller, g'day, mate. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. How are we? We're all good. Um, chaps, I literally don't know where to begin on this one because, man, has it been busy on Zwift World. It's like standing in a high-end bike shop in front of the that, that wheels display. You know the one with zips and envies and lightweights? All glittering and sparkling in front of you, but you know you can only ride one set at a time. We can only just discuss one thing at once, but we can uh, crack on and get through this list uh, coming up. Man buns, grey beards and hairgate, or was it? A billionaire on a super yacht in a Zwift t-shirt. We have this, Nathan. Oh no! No! Zwift! Uh, Zwift Running is emerging from the underground with a meaty update. Geraint Thomas and Luke Rowe baiting and battling each other on Zwift and racing together. The academies, both of them, are powering ahead. And the Zwift hiring frenzy. God, exhausted already, Shane. We've not even started. So put us out of our misery, mate, and, and pick one. Where should we start? Uh, let's go man buns. Let's go man buns. Yeah, let's go man buns. Yeah, let's go man buns. <laughs> Okay, so this is this is customization. For two thousand man um, buns for two thousand. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I'm gonna I'll, I'll declare my interest immediately. I have not had a man bun. I will never have a man bun. This is just so you know. This is my avatar customization policy. I try to get my avatar looking as much like I really do, but obviously in a slightly kind of better way. So a little bit thinner, a little bit younger, a little bit more chiseled, a little bit more suntanned. But I go for the kind of features that that, that make make the avatar look like me, and that's going to be my policy going forward. Shane Miller, don't tell me you've got a man bun on your avatar. Look, what I can't have in the real world, I want in the virtual world. I've got a massive beard. I've got a nice tan, I've got silly sunglasses on, and I've got a man bun. That's that's me. I'm going to the extreme. If it, I, I'm going, it's ridiculous. I ride around now looking ridiculous, and if I'm on the Buffalo bike with a disc wheel, it's it's fun. I love it. I love the customization. It's uh, I've been having a ton of fun with it, and uh, there's nothing like ripping up a com looking like a, a Neanderthal. I, I'm into that. Yeah, I, I like it. And, uh, <laughs> so, so is this the is this the permanent llama policy? This is not just playing around with the new toys. You I'm, are going to remain man bunned and bearded up. I've kept it. I thought, look, I'll just I'll, I'll play around with it. But I thought it looks so ridiculous, like the buffalo bike that a few of us have because I unlocked it with the WBR uh, challenge, I believe, a year or so back. Um, I'm going to keep it. It looks cool. It's yeah. Next up is where's my tattoos? <laughs> I want tattoos and sock height. I've got long <laughs> socks on. It's Christmas. I love these new uh, the additions that we've got. <laughs> Nathan, uh, state your avatar customization policy, please. Long socks, beard, nice glasses, and a Zwift hat. 
That I mean, that's about uh, uh, that's about as far as I went in. Keep the tram bike. Listen, I think the thing is, Nathan, this is much more fun than I thought it ought to be. The customization thing. I kind of I thought, oh god, I, I don't care about all that kind of stuff, but actually, I do. Actually, <laughs> you know, and I've made sure my cap matches my socks, and it's more it's more fun than it ought to be, is it not, for grown men? Yeah, that's the uh, interesting thing to me was that, you know, there was this Harrogate situation and yes. all this, you know, all this uh, customization hype going on and people started getting kind of passionate about it. There was a lot of feedback going on and regardless of the feedback sides of it, all that stuff, what it told me was that regardless of what people were saying, this wasn't just a training platform any longer. The second that you start putting huge amounts of value on your virtual representation in a massive multiplayer online, you're pretty much playing a video game. And so the gaming side of it is really starting to come out in the community, it seems like, with this addition of customization. No no matter whether people admit it or deny it, people generally do care what they look like. And um, that makes us think uh, a little bit about hair gates or ponytail gates. I, I mean, I would characterize this as not a massive firestorm, but an issue which has seen some discussion. And the sweet irony of three blokes discussing women's hairstyles or lack of is not lost on me. Um, however, for lis- listeners who, who've, who've not got across this one, um, the, the long ponytail, the long swishy ponytail for female riders has disappeared in Swift. For, it has to be said, as far as I understand it, perfectly good technical reasons. And that has caused uh, a little bit of discussion on the groups. Actually, much of it initiated by men, strangely. Uh, I've not. I took some kind of private soundings. I, I contacted some prominent women in the in the community, and they didn't seem that bothered, to be honest. Shane, what was what was Von's view on Ponytail Gate? Uh, yeah, I think her hair changed. She noticed it, and then she just went through the menus and then went and chose some better coloured socks. I think that's as far as she got with it. Um, but as for the hair stuff, I'm not qualified to uh, comment in any way. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, is it is it is it an issue? Is it something they've got wrong? I mean, it's not a, a kind of hundred percent mistake. They were aware that, that, that this was an issue, and they knew that it was maybe going to need some managing. And in fact, somebody from Zwift was on the forum uh, literally an hour before we went into recording, saying, "We know about this. We did know about this. We're working hard. It's a total top priority to to." <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's, it's strange, isn't it, the way that we talk about these things. It is a total top priority to restore the ponytail into Zwift. It's definitely coming back. Don't worry, the world's not ending. The ponytail is returning. But uh, Nathan, what's, is this is this a big thing? Is it a thing? It is a thing. It's obvious thing. People care about it. And so, you know, people will give uh, feedback. I mean, of course, it's like, okay, it's not a big deal thing. Like you're not going to like lose your job over it or what, you know, like whatever, you know, like major life issue or anything. But at the same time, people obviously care about it. It's a quality ex- of experience. And since this is a digital community, people want to have certain ways to look and interact with it. And uh, you are, again, are communicating something to this community with how you look. They do know about it and they are working on it. It's all because polygons are- something apparently <laughs> it's anyway it's a technical thing it's i mean it is it is not a gender discrimination issue as far as i'm aware it's a technical problem with pony sales 
because polygons or something. Anyway, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. So here we go. I'm just going to play another sound clip. It's gone out to 57 seconds. He almost got a full-on minute. Scotty Weiss, man, I'm not sure he's going to be seen again. Oh, no! No! Zwift! No! Oh, no! Did you guys see that? Uh, Nathan, that was completely hilarious. For people who didn't get context, it was Scotty Weiss, wasn't it, Re uh, leading, a, leading a race. One of the most famous Swifters of all time, one of the best racers of all time. T and, uh, there, is, there could not be anybody more legit than Scotty Weiss. And uh, Zwift threw him out of the game. Yeah, so this was a pre-organized race, too, between Vision and Experimental. And we had live racers in the broadcast, in their pain caves. And Scotty's attacking, and he's doing, like, six watts per kilogram up the back of Fox Hill. And I'm, like, in the middle of commentating, like, looking right at his avatar a few seconds earlier. And I actually said a few seconds before this moment, oh, he's never going to be seen again. And then, yeah. <laughs> no joke. He wasn't seen again for the rest of the race a minute later. <laughs> Such a good clip. I mean, Zwift zapped him out of the game, didn't he? I mean, I didn't know that even happened. Yeah, so this happens if you uh, do a certain amount of watts per kilogram for too long. He went through the KOM on Fox Hill, and it seemed that Zwift thought that that was like, too much of a watts per kilogram for that segment or something, and bam, it removed him from everybody else's view. It's a fail it's a it's a fail save in there so that you don't end up with flyers all over the place. It just might have been set maybe a little bit uh I don't know, it's right on the edge of professional. What's the message you get? You get it have you missed your calling as a pro rider? That's what it says to you. You have it. So and no, yeah, yeah, Scotty yeah, didn't yeah, miss yeah. his calling as a pro rider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> he he so. was a pro rider. <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think we, I think we need to. Um, I, th I think the Zwift guys need to insert something into their code that you know, the set of brackets that says Scotty Vice inside. You know, if you're thinking about throwing this guy out in a race, like don't because you know he's doing it for real. I am definitely biased toward the idea that no matter who you are, your numbers could be wrong. True. That numbers are yeah, numbers, yeah. and I don't care who you are. Yeah. Your trainer might not be calibrated right. Yeah. Your power meter yeah. might not be calibrated right, and you got to race against everybody else on something that's verifiable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. I, th I think we're going to have to institute the return of the good point award, Nathan. Very good point. That really excellent point. <laughs> um, Shane, man appears on front page of the world's biggest website, world's biggest newspaper website, wearing a Zwift T-shirt. Uh, this was the billionaire on the super yacht. Um, I would have thought there were uh, kind of trebles all round at Zwift HQ when they saw that kind of publicity. Mm, interesting, interesting one. Um, what does it say about the billionaire if he's wearing a free T-shirt? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, it was good to see. It was good to see. It was, it was a, bit of a, a bit of a laugh we all had, I guess, across the various groups that we were a part of to see Zwift out there in the headlines. I think Eric was kind of pleased with it as well. But to see a billionaire, don't, don't they wear pure silk or something from some <laughs> rare African animal that we don't know yeah I, I thought billionaires lived in a totally different fantasy but he's got the same t-shirt i think a couple of us have got from zwift events so good to see yeah yeah well i think billionaires get to be billionaires by wearing free t-shirts probably and not having to shell out for their own t-shirts ah, maybe you know although although this particular billionaire <laughs> didn't get to be a billionaire by by well maybe he did by being very very uh, scrupulous with uh, with his wealth but he um 
he, I mean, he's an interesting guy. He is an investor in Zwift for, for, for people who, who may not have realised that. I'm sure, I'm sure people will have worked that one out, actually. But um, he's generally thought to be the richest man in Switzerland, uh, big life sciences business, uh, very sporty guy, actually. He invested heavily in bringing the America's Cup, that huge yacht race, uh, that costs like a billion squillion quid to even get a kind of dinghy in the water. Um, he brought that to Europe for the first time ever. Um, and he's, I mean, he's clearly very active. I mean, he must have known the photographers there, Nathan, and he's gone into his super yacht dressing room or whatever, or come off his gold-plated Neo or whatever it was, and thought, mm, well, what shall I wear to see the photographers? Because his wife is a, is a kind of paparazzi favourite. There's a, there's a bit of a backstory there. And he must have thought, what shall I wear? And he must have thought, I know, I'll put on the Zwift T-shirt. I mean, that's, that's good investor behaviour, Nathan, is it not? You know, he's, he's thought, I, you know, I can get something for one of my investments out of this opportunity. I think there's definitely a... Uh a sense of he really believes in it though too. I mean, I usually don't put a brand on unless I believe in it yeah. either. Yeah. So there's yeah. uh there's obviously that there. Yeah, yeah, uh, I did notice he went to uh I think what does it say he went to Harvard? I think there's a couple yeah. other investors that went to Harvard as well. Yeah, so that's uh that are in Zwift. He's one of the the gang that, that a lot of people think rule the world at the moment, which is this gang of people who've got MBAs from Harvard Business School. Uh, it's quite a small little club there. Anyway, good on him. I thought it was a good move to uh, to, to to blast us with publicity all over the all over the uh, the world's front newspaper pages because that is a big site. I'm not going to mention it by name because personally I don't like that site. But um, uh, well done, Ernesto. Now. Um, the Zwift hiring frenzy. Uh, it's probably best not to mention individuals here, guys, but I think we all know uh, members of the community who have been hired by Zwift. I mean, Zwift are hiring like crazy and looking, still looking for people across all kinds of areas. So a couple of things arise, I think, that's worthy of our, our attention and discussion from this one. Nathan, I think it's really cool to see them hiring from within the community. I mean, is that, do you find that lot in, in where communities grow up around gaming platforms? Um, I mean, it's kind of the obvious place to look, isn't it? There's people there who know the products and are passionate about it. So why wouldn't you hire from that pool? It's, it's good to see that, I think, don't you? Yeah, it's definitely very, very common. A lot of the people I work with in the streaming world are streamers themselves or had been streamers themselves. There's a lot of people I work with in the gaming world as well. All people who are super passionate about either a game in the same genre or that game itself. And obviously that passion just goes right on into uh, creating what they want to see in the game as well. I think a lot of times feedback that's good feedback ends up uh, coming in-house a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Shane, this this raises a question. I think because we've all all three of us, I think uh, Nathan quite recently been been to to Long Beach, and, and the thing that the, the Zwift headquarters, and the thing that struck me most when I went was just what a fantastic working environment it is. So I'm going to ask you the question: If it says Zwift came to you with like a mega offer and said, you know, we want you to do this, Shane, we want you to be part of the team, but it means moving to Long Beach, would you do it? 
Good question. Uh, I, I like the Long Beach office. I've been there a few times now and met with the team. Uh, it's quite nice. Yeah, why not? If I could have a positive influence um, doing what I'm doing, for sure. Like if I could have a, a – and just like – have a positive influence on the whole indoor cycling and fitness industry in that respect. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm doing pretty well at the moment, though, so I'm quite comfortable here. But they've got a nice big internet link there. It is so fast. I'd move there just. For, I'd move there just for the internet and just for the selection of cliff bars they've got down the road. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and the, you know the climate's not bad, and the view out the office window is quite good, and the office gym with fully equipped. Swift Stations is quite good as well. I hate to sound like a recruitment a recruitment advert here, but um, I, I do think it'd be a cool place to work. Anyway, they are hiring, and they are apparently very still keen to hear from people. So if anybody has um, ha- has that combo of skill sets that they think could be useful to Swift, you you really should punt your CV or resume, as the Americans say, in their direction because they are hiring like mad. Okay. So, running on Zwift, it's previously been an, a bit of an Easter egg thingy, but it's now kind of emerging from the underground. And I thought it was about time that the Zwiftcast had a running feature, so I caught up with one of the leading lights of the running scene. Casey Shum is a very, very handy cyclist, and he's been on Zwift forever, but he's also fond of a bit of a run, so I asked him to fill us in on where we are in running on Zwift. Welcome to the Zwiftcast to Casey Shum. Now, Casey, you are that uh, most noble of creatures, are you not? A veteran Zwifter. You've been on the platform since the year dot, but as a cyclist mainly. I, I do have a triathlon background, but I probably do 80% of my training cycling. So that's that's clearly my focus. But you've become a leading light of the um, nascent running scene on Zwift. It's been something of an underground activity up to this point. Let's let the cat out of the bag, Casey. How do you find running on Zwift? How do you actually get to it? There's just a little uh, slide at the top of your pairing screen that you can flip from a ride to a run and that will that will flip you over into the running options and get you uh, started. You can find that in iOS and on the on the PC and Mac versions of the software. Correct. Yeah, you can find that in in all versions of the software. I've actually verified that on my iOS devices and my PC. As you were with cycling, you you were an early adopter of of running. Just tell us how do how do you find it? It's still running on the treadmill, which is is not fun. Um, not near as much fun as as riding your bike on the kicker you get to see some things going on around you you get a little bit more of that visual stimulation Uh, i used to do a lot of treadmill running just watching television movies things like that and and with zwift and a little bit of music it it occupies me on the treadmill and and keeps me a little more motivated is it as transformative for running as it was for cycling i mean you know everybody says that uh you know they would rather have stuck needles in their eyes than sit on the turbo trainer and zwift completely transformed that experience is is it the same kind of transformation with running do you feel i would say n- not yet I, I think the potential is there but i think a couple things uh that are still lacking from the run that you get with the with the riding. Um, one of those is the the ability to kind of have that uh, smart uh, interaction, the simulated hills. Um, that is not a part of the running yet. You just run at a pace, whatever pace your foot pod is telling the game. And then I, I think the second piece that we need more of to get that real transformation in the indoor running 
is just volume of runners, getting more people involved, getting somebody to chase, getting an event, uh, group runs. And I think that just comes with time. I, I do believe that everything that we've heard about running suggests that that is going to, to, to arrive at some point. Yeah, I believe um, there is no doubt that the technology is there to do that. We, we see it with the writing. Um it essentially takes someone to integrate a communication channel, whether it's Bluetooth or ANC plus into a treadmill. Um, I think it's just a matter of time for that to, to start creeping up. Mm. It, it clearly is, is going to take some time. I mean, who do you think it will appeal to Casey? Do you, do you think it will appeal primarily to a tri crowd or do you think kind of pure runners are going to find something attractive about about Zwift running or running Zwifting? I think it would appeal to to all ranges. Obviously, there's the crossover and triathlon from cycling to running. So there's a little more bang for the buck for a triathlete there. But if you talk to any, especially distance runner, let's say, when they're working a marathon plan or something like that, when it's time to run that 14-mile Saturday run and it's pouring down rain or it's you know 10 degrees outside or whatever that is having an outlet to do that that makes it a little less uh, mind-numbing indoors is 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 critical to keeping your training and your motivation what was your prediction do do you think it could be as big as cycling I think it can be I think it's going to take a little more time I I don't I don't think it will pick up as quickly uh the the weather conditions you can run a little more comfortably in colder and adverse weather conditions some of those types of things um and then like i said i think it's just going to take time uh to build up that running base i don't know my my hunch is is it will get there but i don't think it's going to be in a 12 or 18 month uh huge boom like we've had on the cycling side Thanks very much indeed, Casey. Uh, really interesting to, to, to get that insight from somebody who who knows Swift very well. Uh, it's clearly uh, well up with all the technology and has been following the developments of, of running very closely. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, Casey. All right. Thanks, Simon. I appreciate it. Uh, well, fellas, regular listeners will know that I just don't do running uh, and have no intention of doing so. But for Zwift watchers, this is a big development. And what I think is it could herald a bit of a big push into triathlon. Shane, do you think I'm right on that? Uh, GCN's just launched a tri-channel. It's a huge growth area, triathlon. Um, do you think this is this is Zwift? I mean, um, we know Zwift is, is popular with triathletes, but this is clearly going to make it even more popular, I would have thought. Yeah, for sure. Uh, cycling itself, while we love it, we're sort of stuck in that one channel. We believe cycling is it and a bit and everything. It's not, so they're sort of spreading themselves it a little is, Shane. wider than No, Shane, our... it is. Shane, yeah. cycling is everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See? <laughs> but no, I think the... Um, it depends on... I mean, cycling itself, the fondos are getting bigger and bigger. So cycling is growing in that respect. Competitive cycling, maybe not so. We'll see where that happens. But I mean, Zwift is obviously growing. So to set their wings a little wider for the tri-field, there's a massive, massive amount of crossover. Adding running, which has been there for a while, is a no-brainer because of the treadmills. And we've seen things like the Tax Magnum, which is the dual unit. You can do both run and ride on the thing. 
yeah, it's great. It's it's good to see. I hope we see more of it. I hope we see more of a you know more sporting communities come on board, whether it be running groups, um, triathlon groups, Ironman groups, and, and come on and use the platform as well. And also bounce off and um, I guess benefit from all the content we've created to date for the cycling side of things. Yeah, uh, Nathan, do you do you run? Do you like being injured? <laughs> do I like being <laughs> injured? So uh, that's a good question, as that's part of the reason why I stopped running a little bit uh, here and there. But I, yeah, I ran a lot uh, in later high school and just right after high school. Uh, I might, you know, I haven't done it much since I started cycling, but uh, if that uh, tendons and those uh, ligaments are okay with it, it could be something because it's just a quick, like Casey was saying, it's it's a, uh, a lot easier just to jump into a run sometimes. And it's actually the attraction of Zwift with cycling is that it's, really easy just to jump on the bike. Maybe it can introduce something new to the running scene that's never been seen before as well as far as this idea of virtual group running together. Ride on! I don't have absolute solid cast iron data on this, but I do have that kind of uh, unattributed source that sometimes you get when you when you talk to people. And somebody did tell me that, especially in the UK... Um, subscribers are actually pouring into Zwift in larger numbers than they, they have done before for this time of the year. Now, there's a couple of things going on here. We've had the last three to four weeks have been the most despicable, depressing, vile, awful weather you can possibly imagine. It's just been grim. And that, you know, I think that's always a factor. But there's also a theory knocking around amongst the people who care about this kind of stuff, that it is the pro-rider influence uh, with Mark Cavendish coming on and Grant Thomas coming on and Luke Rowe and, and kind of lots of pro-riders coming onto the platform. That The, the, the pro-rider uh, thing is, is is incredibly helpful for subscriber numbers, is, is the theory. And I, I don't think anybody can be absolutely certain whether that's true or not. And I wanted to discuss this with you, Shane, really, because I've been watching with interest, as I'm sure you have, the kind of social media that's been around, particularly Cavendish and Grant Thomas and Luke Rowe. And the interesting thing to me about it is it looks to be, and I'm not trying to butter Zwift's parsnips here, but it looks to be authentic social media. So I don't think there are fleets of interns at uh, HQ in London or Long Beach composing tweets that are then put out on behalf of Mark Cavendish saying how much he loves Swift. I just don't think... I mean, you know that that does happen, particularly in sports marketing, but I'm pretty certain, well, I'm absolutely 100% certain that that's not happening here. And, and that, I think, Shane, is really interesting, isn't it? Because those authentic definitely written by the real person and you know that they are tweets and social media that is immensely valuable marketing isn't it people of the internet are really really good at spotting what's right and what's wrong uh, and it, you can see through people straight away. So in regards to the Cav and Luke Rowe and Garrett Thomas, I haven't seen it personally. I mean, I'm busy with a ton of stuff flowing through my feeds, but yesterday I rode past Robert Jessink. He was riding up the Epic Com and I'm like, Hey mate, nice socks. Gave him a ride on. He gave me a ride on back and he's just now liked my Insta photo that I took of him. That's kind of cool. So 
he was on there. He wasn't. There wasn't an announcement that he'd be writing it. There wasn't. An, I didn't even know he was on Zwift. I might have seen his name here and there, but he's just people are just writing it as a discipline. He wanted some time. Obviously, if it was raining where he was, he jumps on, rides up a hill, rides with us, and to get a ride on from a pro who we just seen at the Tour de France, that was pretty cool. So I've shared that out on my social as well. So yeah, we see it from those guys as long as they interact with the um the the community that's there. I, I I'm all for it. I like it. Um, if they want to race us and Cav wants to, you know, run someone off his wheel or, uh, you know, try and pick a gap that's not there. Oh, hang on. We can't put him into the fence. But, yeah, it's a bit of fun. We can have fun with these guys. You can tell whether they're genuine or not pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. No, it is genuine and it, and, and it is authentic. I just think that gives it ten times the weight and, 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 and value as, as a marketing tool for the platform, the fact that you know that it is authentic and these guys are really doing it and they've not been told to do it and it's not part of a contract and, you know, we give you Zwift and you tweet out 10 times a week. I'm, and, you know, that is not going on. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I just think that's a really smart move by Zwift, really smart. Nathan, um, uh, somebody else, as we've told me, this absolutely amazing statistic. And I actually went back to her and said, are you, are you sure? And she said, I went back to the person who asked me and said, are you sure? Who told me and said, are you sure? Because it is an astonishing statistic. So this is this is the Women's Academy with Canyon Shram. I mean, it's already passed last year's total of enrolments. But of the enrolments that they've got in, it's not due to start for, for, for weeks yet, but of the enrolments that they've got in, 80%, percent of them are the same women, the exact same individuals who did the scheme last year. I mean, that is some retention rate, Nathan, is it not? The results of women and, uh, and individ- now with the men's too, with individuals uh, pushing themselves as a community and shooting toward a, to- a common goal are, uh, are, are huge for a motivation to, uh, to the community as a whole and also as each individual can kind of weigh themselves against others and kind of see how they're doing and, uh, and then also be encouraged on by others. So uh, Cycling Made Social, I think that's uh, one of the new taglines and or one that's been around for a little while now, but uh, definitely the social aspect of it really playing a part there to encourage people on through something like the Zwift Academy. Eight out of 10 coming back though, Shane. I mean, that I, I do find that incredible. I mean, I really do find that incredible. Vaughn's one of them, isn't she? Yeah, she's definitely back for it. And uh, look, I'll echo what Nathan has said there. If these academies can provide a structure and workouts for everyone to benefit, no matter if you qualify or not for the final, it does not matter. If it, if everyone can be involved, everyone benefits. And from the, the structure, the group motivation, it's huge. Vaughn took part in it and absolutely loved it. Okay, let's move on. For our next episode, Shane, we'll be your bike, which is super exciting. I would be surprised if I'm not joining you at least virtually in some sort of way, as I always would love to. Yes, we are. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we're going to do that as well. Your your physical seat will be taken uh, on a short-term basis, you'll be pleased to hear, by, by Raymaker, who who is going to join us, uh, myself and Shane again, at your bike, which is going to be great to see him. So um, I did see him in Paris a few weeks ago and we talked then about what we might expect about Eurobike but I also thought there's an interesting piece from Ray about how he's adapted to life in Paris and an American building a life and a business in Paris um, so that's what we talked about and uh, pretty interesting it was too here it is Ray's background is solidly corporate. He designed data centres for big Microsoft clients. And five years ago, he settled in Paris to ease business travel around the world. Cape Town was the other contender as a new home, but the City of Light won the race. Both beautiful cities, but uh, for me, it was just travelling 
every single week. That was my job. So to have to travel from Cape Town to Europe, uh, a bit more than necessarily traveling. 18 months ago, Ray left Microsoft and converted the hugely influential sports tech blog from a sideline into the day job. I would have loved it to keep on doing both forever, but just simply didn't have enough hours in the day. Has it been a success? Can you make a living out of this blog? There are a, a million ways you can make money on the internet, um, and the way I have done it seems to work well for me, and um, it's it's definitely continued to grow, which is great. Uh, typical month in terms of views and stuff is between two and three million unique views a month, um, and you know, page views are higher in the four-ish million range. Um, like everyone else in the internet world these days, you have to focus on video, and I've been adding more and more video, but um, for me, I think text and photos is kind of the piece that's sort of my bread and butter. Perhaps more importantly for Ray and the girl, now proud parents of The Peanut, they have more balance in their lives. One of the things when I left Microsoft that sort of uh, the girl and I you know, kind of agreed upon was that it wasn't to take those eight or 10 or 12 hours a day that I spent at Microsoft and put them into the blog. It was to take those and give them back to our life. Yes, the blog is still great and profitable making money, but I don't necessarily have to kill myself anymore to, to do that. But Ray's not simply cruising down easy street. France is a complicated place to start or run a business, especially for two foreign nationals. You and the girl run two businesses, really. Um, how's that been? <laughs> A learning experience. Um, I dread going to the mailbox. I dread the mailbox. Like, because I mean, nothing in France happens electronically, right? So everything in France happens via the postal system. Um, so there's really nothing good that comes from the mailbox. Um, because, like, the delivery couriers, they knock on your front door and they deliver me trainers and power meters and all that's great. But the mailbox is a source of all, like, bureaucratic paperwork. Obviously, we've hired lots of lawyers and people to help us through this process, CPAs and accountants. I mean, everyone to, to help us figure this all out because it's complex. We have people to help us with all that. But even then, like I dread going to the mailbox. Even French people that have, you know, French businesses look at the whole system and just shake their heads sometimes. And uh, it's it's absolutely bonkers, but uh, you, you figure it out and you know, it's it's certainly worth it in terms of the rest of the, the cultural life that we get to enjoy here. Do, do the benefits of living in a city like Paris, in a continent like Europe, do, do they outweigh that? There's ups and downs. There are certainly days where you get some notice in the mail for something or have to deal with some business element that you're like, are you kidding me? Really? Um, but the vast majority of the time, it's great. And you know, we enjoy, we enjoyed Paris as beautiful as it is. I mean, there is no other city that's like this in, in Europe. And, and not to put down other cities in Europe, because I love many other cities in Europe, but I think, you know, the walkability of it, the culture aspect of it, um, how they treat children, how we, you know, certainly childcare and, you know, bringing a baby into here um, is incredible here. Onward to the sports tech business. If there's a more influential voice in this space, it's hard to think who it might be. I've often wondered how Ray handles the responsibility that this brings. One bad review from him, after all, can pretty much kill a product. Um, what's tougher, I find, is having people understand the nuance of things, right? So uh, to give you an example, um, I was filming a, a drone this weekend in the Alps and 
and things were working great. It's been great. It was it was all all good and butterflies, happy, the whole bit. Um, I came back last night and I was just shooting some simple photos of the gimbal camera. I turned it on, powered on, taking these photos, and it caught fire. Um, and it was one of those things where I'm like, well, this isn't good um, because the drone is now smoking. With the drone smoking in front of him, Ray took a call from the company inquiring how things were going. Awkward. But in fact, the smoke had a straightforward explanation. The drone was a development unit and a standard switch overriding a motor overload hadn't been set properly. But the appeal of a video of a smoking drone in a social media world which revels in fails is obvious and would get traffic. But that's not really how Ray does things. The the silly easy headline would be drone catches on fire, but that's not what happened. The way I've kind of settled on is explaining there was a gimbal failure, but not really getting into the details of smoke because I just know I'm not like one that likes to write sensational headlines. And at the end of the day, the gimbal's broken. How do you write about that where people don't run away from a product because they don't understand it? Like they just, it's filling those gaps are really tough. Um, and because I know that how I write that one sentence could potentially mean the success or failure of our product. Do you ever get angry emails from companies saying you just trust our product? <laughs> Definitely. Um, I never get angry emails um, when I bash products from any of the mainstream companies. The companies that understand their products well generally agree with what I've said. They, they know it. I mean, it's not like they don't know these gaps are there. You know, they, the best companies out there are happy to take that feedback and happy to try to incorporate it in. Um, I find the companies that don't take that feedback and get really upset and send, send me angry emails or threaten to sue me and things like that are the ones that, I don't want to say they suck as individuals because that sounds mean, but they suck as a business. They don't understand how to run a business and they're not business people. I mean, for somebody who's not a trained journalist, you've got quite a lot of kind of journalistic and editorial ethics and, 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 and integrity to, to wrestle with on a, on a daily basis, really. Yeah, it's tricky. I don't, I don't have a journalism background. I, I've, I just sort of figured it out, I guess I've gone along and see things that I don't like and try not to do those. You know, I think in terms of ads and stuff like that and not taking money from the same companies that you're reviewing. And to me, that just makes sense. I guess it's just, just obvious to me. Like if I'm taking money from X company and then I turn around and write a review on them, well, that's basically a paid advert. No matter how you try to couch that and say, you know, like in the US, you say, my opinion's my own or all that kind of junk. Like at the end of the day, it's not. Brilliant, Ray. Really interesting, thought-provoking stuff and fantastic to spend some time with you in the pain cave and uh, get your thoughts one-to-one -one in, in some depth. Really appreciate the time you've given us. Thanks very much indeed. Yeah, no problem at all. It's always great to chat and look forward to, to chatting down the road. Okay, I'm actually going to make a longer version of that interview available, so watch out in the usual places, Zwiftcast listeners and the Zwiftcast Facebook page, because Ray and I talked for longer about the kind of ethics around trashing companies' products when they're not very good and praising companies' products when they are good and what's hospitality companies offer to you, which Ray has got a very strict policy on. He's very interesting on that in the extended interview. But I thought it might be worth um, uh, us talking about this in advance of your about, Shane, really. And that's this question of independence. I mean, I think... Uh, and, the, and representing the consumer voice and honesty and integrity and all of that stuff around sports tech products. I mean, I think traditional print media has pretty much kind of 
abandoned this territory. I mean, if you look at magazines now, their reviews are, but they're useless. You know, they're like three paragraphs long. You know, it's it's rewritten straight from the press release nine times out of ten. I'm sorry to magazines who don't do that, but an awful lot do. And they're very, very compromised by the hideous economics of, of kind of dead tree publishing. It's really hard to tell it like it is in, in, in print. It's, it's a little bit easier, I think, on the web. And I, I do think Ray does the absolute best that he possibly can. But let me, Shane, this is a long run-up to a question. Do you think there is any truly independent assessment of sports tech products out there? Do you think it exists? I mean, you, of course, are in are in this arena, you know. It depends on how you define independent. Um, look, you can't be completely independent and because there's no, there's no money in this whatsoever at all. You can't continue to work for companies by reviewing their products, positive or negative, if there's no money coming from somewhere. So depending on what the independence is, if it's cash for comment, the internet is super smart these days. There's no hiding uh, people see straight through marketing speak. They see straight through advertisements. And if you just have a look at a reviewer's history on what they've done in the past, what they're doing now, has that changed? What You can pick it pretty easily. Who are you working for, Shane, when you review a product? Uh, are, you, are you working on behalf of the consumer? I mean, do you see that as your role? You're, you're the super consumer who's going to dress the trainers to destruction. Is that, is that how you see your role? Yeah, if you've followed my stuff for years, I'm, I'm a cyclist who actually uses all this tech and breaks it as well. And look, I've, I've broken a few things and talked about it. I'll give my opinion on it here and there. And sure, that ruffles a few feathers, but it's in parallel with what everyone else's experience is as well. So I work for myself as a competitive cyclist who wants to get better or who wants to really learn the tech. Like, like Ray says, you know, integrity is all actually about being straight with people, not just the companies, but also the readers and the viewers and the listeners. You know, who am I working for? What do you need to know so that you know where my opinion might be influenced? I mean, Nathan, do you do you, do you trust the traditional media? Do you read any traditional media anymore? Or do you trust do you trust the the electronic media? I mean, I'm talking about product review stuff. How much how much account do you take of it, if any? The traditional media and printed media, I don't really pay much attention any longer, actually. Uh, I don't trust it most of the time, to answer your question uh, straightforwardly. The idea, though, here of the independent thing, what's interesting to me is that finalized products have this space where there is no independence, but products that are more organic and growing, uh, we're allowed to have more freedom. This is a Zwiftcast that has freedom to be very critical. Uh, of a growing product, a product that is not assumed to be finalized, but a finalized product like a trainer, if it gets a bad review and sales go down of that finalized product, it's already on the market, is a completely different story, it sounds like. So that's a really interesting space that uh, to interact with. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, another excellent point. Uh, well, I'm a bit of a highfalutin discussion for the Zwiftcast, but I, I do think it's an important one with with Eurobike and the other trade big trade shows coming up where we're going to see lots of products and people are interested in opinion formers and influencers' uh, uh, opinions on those products. So uh, good, good and interesting discussion, I think. Okay, let's... Let's go a bit more simple. Let's talk training and let's talk about the most famous interval in all of cycling, the 2 by 20 with the Zwiftcast resident coach, Keppelton. Everybody's probably heard of it, but let's have a proper definition. 
two 20-minute efforts with a recovery period. The recovery period can vary depending on your level of fitness and what you want to gain out of the session, but it's two 20-minute intervals just below your threshold pace. Around about 90% of FTP? Yeah, about 90-95% of FTP. It's a good hard session, but it's achievable. So you'll know, you know you're in for a good hard workout, but because it's under threshold, you know you can achieve it. So the work intervals are just under your FTP threshold between 85% and 95% of your FTP number. Do the intervals have to be identical and consistent? What I suggest to athletes is that in the first 20 minutes, they try and ride about 81 to 89%. Then in the second effort, try and go 85 to 95%. So try and lift it for the second effort from there. And give yourself some room to, um, to take it a bit easier if you need to. Now, one thing you can absolutely guarantee, if the 20 minutes of work feels like two hours, the XX minutes of recovery period is going to flash by in like a second. How long should that be generally? Um, between five to 10 minutes. I would say the more experienced the athlete, the shorter the recovery periods, they're down to five minutes. Um, the more inexperienced the athlete, then the longer the recovery period. You're listening to the Zwiftcast. Why is it so popular? It gives us so much feedback. Because it's two efforts, we can compare the heart rate response from the first effort to the second effort. So if we're getting a similar heart rate response, we're looking at um, a good fitness and to be able to repeat the effort. And because we're just under that threshold power, it really is uh, the most bang for your buck in terms of training. It's going to uh, increase your efficiency, it's going to increase your threshold, and it's something that can be repeated twice a week. So although your eyes will be firmly fixed on your power output during the intervals, do keep an eye on heart rate. As Kev said, if your average heart rate stays about the same during each interval, it's a sign of good fitness. If you do one 2x20, is that enough training for a day? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a good amount of stress on the body. Um, it's used a good amount of energy and it's going to take some time to recover from it. So if you're, you're pushed for time, it's going to be a one hour session and that's, that's plenty of um, stress on the body. Indoor trainers and Zwift are an absolute gift to this session, aren't they? Because actually out on the road, it's not the easiest of sessions to do unless you've got the perfect landscape on your doorstep. Completing it indoors, you can replicate the same conditions every time, which means you can uh, compare the data you're receiving from it. And yeah, no interruptions, no traffic lights, uh, no hills. You can do the same cadence, the same effort for the whole 20 minutes. Music people find very motivational. I think indoors particularly, particularly when you concentrate on a fairly long interval. Is that, uh, is that pro? Are you allowed music? Yeah, of course you can. I find that music tends to influence cadence though, so people just naturally, uh, the faster the tempo of the music, the faster the cadence. So I guess just be aware of um, how fast you're pedaling depending on the music you're listening to. Right on! I, th I think it's fair to say, Kev, that you're fully subscribed, as many, many people are, to the huge benefits of a 2 by 20 Yeah, because it, it's so well known, um, people can compare their data to other people. You could do 3 by 10 those sort of things, or 4.15s for a similar kind of effort, but 2.20 seems to be the world standard, and it does give a good response and good effect, so yeah, why not use it? 
Nathan, I do wonder how we ever managed to do 2x20s pre-Zwift. I mean, certainly a 2x20 outside, I always found unbelievably challenging. Now, that that could be because I was a bit kind of anal about, uh, you know, sticking to the absolute uh, letter of the law in terms of the wattage I was supposed to be achieving, and I didn't like to see it drifting 5 or 10 watts either way because that kind of thing upsets me badly. Um, that's a personality defect of mine. Um, but how did we ever manage it before Zwift, I guess, is my is my question. Well, I was always pretty angry or frustrated with the stop sign or car or whatever it might be in the middle of my uh, interval effort, no matter what peak power I was after, 25, 10, or one hour. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that there's a huge benefit to the indoor trainer with that. Uh, there's also the reality of getting a uh, consistent environment all the time, too. We were talking about this actually in a new feature with Greg Henderson that we're doing workouts on and the ability of replicability, like how you're able to replicate uh, the same environment over and over again. If I go out when there's a lot of pollen, my numbers go down because I have allergies. If I go out when the heat is really high or whatever it might be that that is a wind is different or who knows what, what it might be as far as the environment. If you can control the environment, you can control what kind of uh, stimuli response your body can put out. I tend to go to the Epic KOM is because it's about a 20 or a little yeah. under for me. And it's a very motivation, motivating thing to know I have to reach that point yeah. before I'm done with this effort. So yeah, that you, tends to be where I go for yeah, my 20s. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have a kind of visual reference like, like the top of a mountain. I mean, Shane, I know they're a favorite of yours. They just work don't they two by twenties they just they just do their job yeah for sure they're long enough to be uncomfortable but they're short enough not to hate them too much when they're done so you can go back to them quite often <laughs> yeah, yeah no that's pretty, that's quite right very good very accurate summary of the um the unique appeal of of the two by twenty okay well um gosh it's been busy and we've still got a big thing actually to talk about which which um uh, I've left till the end and that is the announcement by cvr who are the people behind um a number of virtual racing events that have been staged there was one in las vegas where all three of us were there there was one in london where all three of us were there and there's an upcoming one in paris now the different thing about the one in paris is that uh, frank garcia the guy behind cvr has announced a prize purse and it's not a small prize purse it's a big prize purse uh it started off at something over thirty thousand euro i mean obviously this is going to be split between a number of races and it's going to be split between men and women and frank has also got some kind of crowdfunding uh, scheme around it which to my surprise i have to say and i think actually probably to his surprise has actually started to attract some revenue uh, and uh, I happen to know that that has taken the prize purse well over €40,000, um, and, and the event is still two, three weeks away, so it could go even higher. Shane, money and bike racing equals trouble sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, does it not? I mean... Okay, let's 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 be totally upfront about this, and I'm sure Frank will be listening to this, and I would say the same to his face. In fact, I have done. Um, when you get a big prize purse and you get riders competing for it, and I don't mean to cast aspersions on any of the riders who are going to be taking part in this, 
but let, let's keep this general. You know, money, sport, competition, cycling has sometimes in the past equaled doping. Now, the sport of cycling has obviously uh, uh, taken huge strides to, 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 to root out the evil of doping. And they do that with, uh, with the governing body, largely. Now, Frank does not have a governing body. Uh, is, this, is this dangerous, Shane, this, this institution of a prize purse? Um, look, that's an amazing figure to have on the table. But with that figure, yeah, as you've mentioned, comes an amazing responsibility, especially in the governance of what's actually taking place. There's now incentive for people to, I mean, there's a massive incentive there to, for people to cheat the system. So are there checks in place as that would be would expect from a governing body? Are the, the trainers in use and the technology in use certified, actually certified, not just spun down? Are they certified equal across the board? Are the riders there under some sort of um, yeah anti-doping program? For sure, that has to be the case. It has to be wider approved because without that, we're, we're back to the authenticity thing. We need to be ensure and the integrity of the competition. We we need that to make it especially this early in the piece. This is still just a be the beginning. If that falls apart through some controversy, it's over. It's gone. It, that's it. It's going to be a laughing stock forever. That's well, a it, huge it, risk it, for Zwift. It would damage right. damage virtual mm -hmm. racing as a, as a whole. It would damage yeah, the whole sure. idea yeah. of of chasing pixels. Nathan is yeah, is, sure. is Frank Garcia playing with fire here? There's just issues that come up with cheating and trying to, or 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 doping or whatever it might be, to uh, to try and get a hold of that cash any way that they can. Greed gets involved, and uh, and people start to you know uh, get, get get really big wide eyes over that. And so, I it's uh, the governing body thing though. Then is. Interesting. I'm, I'm doing searches right now. Dota 2 governing body. Uh, is there anything? Time for a governing body of for Dota 2 is the first thing that comes up. Ace bands, wings. I mean, there, there's nothing. There, there, you know, there's a Korean governing body that mm. was formed in 2016. They're giving away $24 million this weekend. And nobody's mm. complaining too much in the esports uh, yeah. world right yeah, now but, about but, I mean, that. Th that is interesting, Nathan, because I think I've seen stuff on this. I mean, there are... There are drugs you can take that, that that increase mental acuity and could have a significant effect on 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 coordination between hand and brain. You know all those kind of things that may help uh, the ability to play, you know, traditional computer games. So I mean, is is there any drug testing in 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 traditional esports that you know of? No, not not at this moment. But I wouldn't be surprised. A few years down the road, you know, in 2022, Asia uh, has announced Olympic sports for esports. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised that at that point uh, there may be people asking those questions. I think it's not grown up enough yet for those questions to be asked uh, enough or people even realize that, look, taking huge amounts of stimulants or certain kinds of stimulants are going to increase your ability to react within this virtual environment with your, uh, you know, as you, uh, with your hand-eye coordination. So, you know, money's on the line and people will do anything to win. And so it does definitely bring those questions into, into view. Here's the question. Where does this fall? Yeah. 
does it fall mm. under UCI? Mm. Or if there's an esports body, yeah, yeah. does it mm. fall there? Yeah, yeah. Where where does this actually end up then? That's really I think uh, another question that ends up coming up as well. Or do, does Cycling Gen form their own body and try and get third parties involved in some sort of way too, uh, in order to mm. bring legitimacy? Well, it's a, I mean, it's a tricky the area. Question, it's a tricky yeah. area, Shane, because because as far as I understand it, there is a possibility that some pro riders are going to enter the, the CVR event in Paris to to go for the prize purse, and you know, well, why wouldn't you? Well, I have no doubt that prize purse is larger than some pro riders will actually be getting paid. It's even the pro conti riders, yeah. so there's incentive for them to do that. So is there rules around if you're a professional rider or getting paid to ride, can you enter this? Yeah. There's a lot of questions. Look, at the end of the day, don't get the read, my read wrong on this. I really wish them the best with this because what it does, it raises – it's a rising tide for this. If it's more eyes on the, uh, the platform, more eyes on the sport itself and the discipline, that is awesome and I love it. It just needs to be done correctly. Um, but the question I have is from a technical perspective – is the platform ready for this? Is mm. it ready to put that much on the line? Because um, there's a few governing bodies here in Australia who want to actually do live real races. And the biggest hurdle we have is, and one they haven't thought of, they thought, well, it's, it's virtual, it's easy. We just put them all in one spot, mm. we hit go. It's so mm. simple. If they run a race in real life, they block off the road and they hit go and they just, that's it, the road's there. The road, the reality is one instance of reality. Mm. You see where I'm going with this. Mm. If you have 20 people in a room, you provide 20 independent realities in parallel that have to all sync together and mesh together. Sometimes running one of these events is actually more difficult than running a real-life event because yeah. you can't just you know, fence off one computer and everyone races. No, there's 10 to 20-plus realities. There's a big, big technical hurdle or a technical barrier to get through for this. And right now, right behind me here, and we're seeing the messages flow through, Swift is currently down. No one can log in. It's going up and down, up and down. It's flapping up and down. So... A race we joined the other day, the other night, we all crashed on the start line because there's technical issues there. So is the platform ready for this real specific racing where there's big, big money on the line and people have traveled a long way? Not yet. We had this happen. Wrong Scotty turn. Weiss is going yeah. the wrong way yeah. or is, yes. or somebody's yes. trainer drops out or yeah. something. Where's the pause button? Quick, hit the pause button. Mm. You know, and so, but, and and then do we restart? Efforts are already put down. And then with the physical efforts that are going out, it's not just somebody pushing buttons on a keyboard or something. Somebody burned a match and you're hitting, you're it. saying That's we have to restart? Wait a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so yeah. there's, yeah. there's a lot of questions. Going, and I'm wishing, I am like so all about from day one, you guys have heard me over and over again, be all about what Frank is up to here. I love the esports mm. side of things. I, I love the, the, juncture of my favorite sport in real life that I competed in now coming into esports, which I obviously love as well and being seen the, the, the mixture of the two and creating this whole new platform with instantaneous access to an arena of virtual environments. It's, it, it's just, it's so great. It's really, really great. Is it ready? I think that's a great question. Shane. Yeah, it's really awesome. great. Question. Yeah. This is all comes back down to the framework as well. As we're talking about the doping framework and about the the evenness and the fairness of the equipment use framework, it comes down to the policy they're going to operate operate under as well. This is a big one. This is this requires a year of think and meetings and the ideas from all before the execution is. But again, I mean, kudos to these guys for executing well before this is all ready. This is kind of cool to see because the mistakes made won't be made twice or three times in a row. This is it's good. I, you see behind me here, it's my platform. It's the world I love and live in, and I love to see more people on it. But I want to see it represented always in a positive way and as best possible. And, yeah, look, let's see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know Frank listens to It could to be the... a huge success. It could be no, a huge no, success. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it could be absolutely yeah. amazing. I like yeah. 
We're, we're just thinking, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, what me, yeah. could the problems be, yeah. though, too? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it could be That's, amazing. Yeah. We could, you know. Yeah. Well, I know Frank listens to the, to, to the Zwiftcast, and I hope he, he doesn't think we're being harsh. And, and I would like to say... In, in his favour. I mean, there are massive risks attached to this, and 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 putting mm-hmm. the putting putting the price purse in is is a complete game changer for this this whole thing. But in Frank's defence, I would say that somebody's got to take the risk. You know, this is a new area. He's an entrepreneur. He's got an entrepreneurial background. He's got the the balls to try this, he's, uh, you know, and he's he's put money into it, and I think all of those are incredibly admirable qualities but um uh, to use probably an old-fashioned phrase now th- th- the problem is sometimes that the leading edge can be the bleeding edge and you know yeah. when you're yeah. first you get hurt uh, and you get hurt by harsh lessons and i think if i was frank that would be the kind of thing that kept me awake at night Shane. are we talking about frank's balls here I think we referenced Frank's balls. That's happening. Oh, man. No, let's not talk about Frank's balls. Okay, that's enough. That's enough on that. Now, look, all the best with with what they're doing. I will be watching. Um, It'll be very interesting to see how it unfolds. Um, I I see any any progress or any development in using the platform is amazing. We have the e-crit coming up here in Australia soon. Let's just see how that unfolds as unfolds as well. It's going to be yeah. it's it's interesting times. It really is. We're seeing growth through the roof. We're seeing hires through the roof. We're seeing technology through the roof. Watching the platforms down at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, hopefully we see yeah. that more stable. Yeah. We'll see how yeah. we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Nathan, I, I did want to get it in this in this Zwiftcast, but it's just as you can hear, it's just been so packed with other stuff that, that I've had to hold it over. But the, this thing you're doing with Greg Henderson, we will get to that in another episode with a with a proper proper feature on it. But but just just as a, a, a very short preview for listeners, this is this is you and Greg Henderson riding together, basically leading a coached ride, isn't it? It's a, a brilliant workout concept. Wednesdays. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's so a, workout it, Wednesdays it, is what people need to know, and it's uh, uh, it's happening. Uh, make sure to follow over on Facebook with Zwift Community Live, ZwiftCommunityLive.com, and follow all the live stream places, and you will catch us on Wednesdays. Uh, it's really great. Essentially, you get to see me suffer if you're just watching <laughs> <laughs> and do the workouts. Yeah, uh, you know, from, but but, but oh, I, I watched. You, you do the workouts along with it, basically, is what you do. But you get this, you get this insight. You get... You know, Greg Henderson, former pro rider, really, really, really knows his stuff and some bloke called Nathan. And uh, and they tell you, you know, but they tell you how the sprint interval should be feeling and and how to get through it and what recovery time you should have after it and stuff. It's it's real, real, seriously good yeah, insight. Yeah, you can join us. You can join us for the workouts too. So just mm. keep an eye on out. Lots of instructions on the way. And I think Shane just did a little video, couple of videos actually I saw get released on uh, right. how to get him into the uh, into Zwift. So really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, we will. We'll do a proper feature on that in 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 coming weeks. Um, Shane, uh, I loved the. Uh, I'm, just, I'm not going to try and pronounce it properly. I'm just going to say Dorito. I loved the Dorito video, and that looks like a seriously good trainer. Yeah, for all I look, we were sent. I was sent the pre-production version um, to again Llama test. Elite wanted to see if I could break it. I couldn't break it, and they wanted some feedback behind the scenes. So I give him a ton of feedback on the trainer itself. Um, and this was about six weeks before the production version was out. So they wanted some, you know, they wanted some insight from the real world. That's what I gave them. I'm happy to do that. It's heaps of fun. So 
many, many Zwift sessions later on that, I was getting skeptical. I'm like, is this thing super accurate? Have they sent me one that is really, really good as a pre-production so I talk well about it? I'm like, well, we'll see. We'll see. So the, the production version came. The full box this week came along. I unboxed it. I'm like, here we go. This is one off the shelf. This is exactly what consumers will buy. I'll put it to the sword. It's just as good. It really is a good train. And everyone I've spoken to echoes that as well. So we're talking about independence. Everyone else I've talked to about it echoes the same tune. I can't wait to see the feedback on this because if it echoes what I'm saying, seeing, brilliant. Elite yeah. have done really, really good. But that's a good trainer. I love it. Um, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll continue to ride it. It's uh, just another one of these uh, man cave thing. I'm going to have to get a bigger house, and we're working on that <laughs> soon to get a bigger house for all these trainers. <laughs> You're going to need a bigger house. Uh, a very, very enjoyable session, boys. As ever. God, it's been so busy, hasn't it? Really, really, really busy. And there's like another three or four things we, 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 we could have discussed, actually. Uh, Winter is coming. Winter yeah, is for those of you who are Game of Thrones fans. Game of Thrones fans. Winter is coming. We're just getting started, I think. Yeah, no, no, I, no, I think there are going to be, you know, I think there are going to be even more juicy, shiny, <laughs> interesting things uh, coming up, both at the trade shows and probably from, from Zwift. Uh, so need to, need to call a halt. Fellas, uh, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Shane, I will see you in Germany. Uh, Nathan, uh, definitely, definitely, we, we, we will work something out to see each other virtually from, from Germany. Um, thank you very much indeed for your contributions. Very lively discussion. Ace to talk to you. Thanks, boys. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks a lot. The Zwiftcast is proud to be an official community partner of Zwift. So what does that mean to you as a listener? It means that while Swift provides support for us to try to make the highest quality content we can, they also guarantee our editorial independence, which basically means they don't interfere with what we say or how we say it. Thanks to Swift for that, and thank you for listening. See you next time.